Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. In last week's episode, we began taking a look at business development and what it looks like in the context of legal services. We also explored some tips to help you maximize the return on your investment. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the show Lou Diamond, who is a business development and leadership expert who will share his invaluable insights with us. Lou is the founder and CEO of Thrive Partners. He has over 25 years of experience in sales, relationship management, business development, and executive coaching. He has consulted with and mentored leading performers from companies all over the world and has valuable insight into what it takes to create and foster mutually beneficial business and personal relationships based on authenticity. Please join us for what is sure to be a fun and informative discussion on business development over the next two episodes. Lou, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, The pleasure is mine, Christina. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So why don't we kick things off by hearing a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today and what made you decide to launch Thrive Partners? Thank you. And uh, I, I like to start off this story by saying I'm always that person who loves to connect the dots. Uh, from being a kid, whether I was playing the games in a in a little diner, you know, with that placemat they used to give you, <laughs> to to uh, you were one of those kids. I was I was one of those kids, but but I did that with with people as well, and I did it in a unique way. I always loved to um, connect people, people that I knew. I wanted them to meet other people, and it was never for my own self interest. It was actually to help other people with that, and that is actually how I've always been surrounded by business titles that always involved business development or sales because I was a natural outgoing type of person in helping people to connect. And what I realized uh, throughout the year that that throughout the year, throughout my life, that's exactly what I do best is helping to connect people. So I, I actually started in my father's retail jewelry, jewelry store where I probably learned more than you can ever imagine. Uh, worked in professional services for a very long time. I worked for Accenture and Deloitte. I ended up being the head of sales for a digital services company called Organic, which is still around today, part of the Omnicom family. And then I worked on Wall Street for a very long time at Merrill Lynch and then Bank of America Merrill Lynch. And over that time, I was a very successful salesperson and always had the ability to not only connect with the clients and targets that I was trying to grow business with, but also with the peers and the people that I worked with. Uh, people that work for me, people on my sales teams, uh, leadership management. And after a long time of doing a really fun, excellent thing on Wall Street, uh, Wall Street changed a little bit and it wasn't as much fun anymore. And uh, Christina, what I, what I always like to say is it took me a while to realize that I really wasn't happy. And that was a weird thing for me because I'm naturally a happy person. Yeah, you strike me as a naturally happy person, so I'm surprised to hear that. It was, you know, the circumstances around you, uh, everything getting smaller. There were rounds and rounds and rounds of layoffs. And I happened to have been in a business within Wall Street that did very well when things did badly. And we used to say it was the most negatively convexed for your career. Basically, as the world blew up, you did great. But as 
the economy did super, you didn't do so hot. So it was a weird spot to be in. And I, I love the clients I work with. I love the team that I worked with, but something was missing. And I felt I was limiting myself to what I did. So was I'm, there a defining moment for you when you like sort of came to that? Was it something that happened over time or was there something that happened that sort of like took you over that line of, I need to be more entrepreneurial? I think it evolved over a period of time. I know that my wife had recognized that I wasn't happy and I was looking to find something else to do. And I ended up seeking out a business coach. And this business coach at the time was helping me try to understand what I can do with the skills that I had and try and move out of the space that I was in. However, she was focused in a very small niche within financial services. I had a vision for something that was a lot bigger than that, but I didn't know it at the time. But what I did know was that I loved what she was doing. And I loved it so much that while I was working on Wall Street, I became certified to become a coach myself. And I found that there were many things that coaches do that I found unique in helping business development and sales initiatives. And I recognized that there was a marriage of the two, that I wanted to be able to take all those years of connecting people and pair it with great coaching techniques. And I recognized something that kind of broke a myth and I needed to put it into action. The and myth, what was that? Yeah, the myth is, you've heard this before, you can't teach people how to sell. You either have it or you don't. And I heard that and I don't know if that is true or not, because I've seen people, quote unquote, sell, and some people have that moxie or that confidence. But what I do know is this, whether or not you can teach someone how to sell may or may not be true, but you can coach someone how to connect. And it was that moment of recognizing that after becoming a coach and recognizing that I was helping a lot of my clients connect and grow their business that I left Wall Street and started helping CEOs, leaders, and top performers do exactly that. Not focused on just making more sales or growing their business or increasing their business development pipeline. Those were all things that were results that happened. What I recognize is that I had, I had the ability and the message to help people truly work on how they need to be to connect with others. And that power of connection, Tina, is something so important. It is the way that we need to be. And I've learned these muscles that you need to, quote unquote, work and strengthen to strengthen what I like to call your connecting core. And that is the thing that I coach and speak about and what came out in the book that I wrote called Master the Art of Connecting. Terrific. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that and a little bit more about the types of folks that you work with? Certainly. So let's just dig in a little bit to this connecting core I'm talking about. And what I recognized is that these muscles, and I'm putting quotes around them. I know it's difficult for your listeners to understand it, but I'm putting quotes around it. And within them, there are the four muscles, I call it the safe. And each one stands for a different letter. One is your, your super Y is the S. A is authenticity. F is a fearless mindset. And E is the power of empathy. And each one of those muscles is what makes somebody, what I like to define, a master connector. And I have worked with top CEOs, top business development teams, sales teams uh, from all different industries, and making it most specifically to something that I've related to and that you can relate to as well. I've done a tremendous amount of work with professional services firms, uh, consultants, accountants, and attorneys. 
in helping them recognize how they can better connect with their clients and their prospects. So what, when I started doing it individually, I was working with a lot of entrepreneurial technology and marketing companies, and I recognized that my message was universal. It wasn't very specific just to a certain industry or a product or a service. It crossed all platforms. And now what I do is I'll work with the top leadership team, usually initially, mostly because the biggest thing that I've recognized is that there's a baseline people that you might need to show the basics on how to sell, but those right. that really learn how to connect at that more senior level have a much more amplified effect on how they could help grow and improve the top line and your bottom line, by the way, as well, on how you manage and work together. So the range of companies go across all those different industries and go deep, pretty deep within them. In some instances, I'm working just with the CEO who's really helping to work on how he's working internally, maybe even the messaging on how his message will connect uh, from a marketing standpoint or internally to his team. And a lot of times when I'm working with the senior staff or senior leaders, we're trying to really grow the biggest accounts that they have. And my, I do workshops and obviously one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I do a lot of speaking. I do speaking at conferences and at company events to really motivate and inspire people on how they need to be to connect. So it sounds like you've, you work with a lot of different types of people across a number of different industries. Um, so what do you see? I would imagine that there are a lot of common threads with <laughs> regard to uh, leadership and with regard to business development and developing connections. What are those common threads that you've been seeing across industries? So it's a perfect thing that you just led into, and that is that there is almost no difference between the skills that require and the, what I like to say, the best of sales or the best of business development and the best of leadership. They're actually hand in hand. How you lead is very important on how you connect. How you grow your business development, how you sell is very important on how you connect with one another. Christina, I like to, to say this example that imagine you're trying to connect with someone and when I mention connecting the dots, I literally do this visually and literally. This is how I see the world. If I'm looking at you, um, Christina, I know you work at a law firm, you're on a radio station, you have a podcast show. I have this and I've met you in person in New York City. I have a visual of who, what you are and literally around you are all of these assets that make up who Christina Martini is. Uh, the school you went to, the place that you live, uh, the law firm, uh, the, what do you call them? The cat children that you have, all of those different things, those <laughs> visuals, those visuals come out at me. And when you see those particular visuals and where they are, I'm looking at your world almost as if these things are surrounding and floating around you. I'm doing this, one, because a lot of people have lots of very normal names, not like yourself, but I sometimes have trouble. <laughs> Everyone remembers the name Lou Diamond. They always yes, know Yes, they do. <laughs> so, so when I see them, I need something to, to catch on. So part of it was a little bit of a, a memory tool. But the real reason is that I'm looking at them to see how can I help make their world better? How can I go into their world and see the skills and the things that they have so that they can connect better with other, other leaders, other companies? What's the skills that they need to grow and connect with other people? And that is what master connectors do. They're always looking to figure out how to go help and grow that world so that when you connect to somebody else and imagine that orb around you and you go in to meet a prospect or a client, you know, if you work together and you don't really have a true understanding of what that individual is like, imagine the two circles just barely touching. But you know when you have a great relationship that's been built over the years with trust, authenticity, 
a confidence to work together. Those circles almost overlap, so much so that if we zoomed up and had like a view from a blimp above and we looked down, it would almost be difficult to distinguish you from that really close client. You would always associate them together, maybe the work that you do, maybe the firm's work that you do for them. And we want to get to that point with all of our clients because in doing that, we're, we're taking a little piece of their world and our targets are taking a little bit of ours. And from that, they're growing and they're growing at an amplified rate. Business gets done faster. There's less um, issues, true transparency. All the things that you want in a great partner are already established when you have that really powerful connection. So what I do when I work with lots of top performers is we work on those different muscles that they have to see where they are. And here's something interesting, Christina. A lot of those top executives and top performers think as it relates to their connecting core of those four muscles that they need work on one particular one. They might feel that they're not being really as, they really haven't defined their super why on why they were put on this planet and how they could really help others from that message, almost like their purpose. Right. When in reality, they actually have a pretty clear understanding of what the purpose is. And one of the other muscles might not be as good. They might not be as empathetic. They might not listen as well as they could in that power of empathy. They might not act like a true coach would, which is really em embracing that power of empathy. They might not treat their people in the way that the, their, their staff might want them to, so they don't have as strong as a connection as they feel that they do. And part of that is some of the exercises. I almost come in with a scorecard or a report card on people's connecting core to say, hmm, what do they need to work on most? And it's no different than when you go to the gym and a trainer tells you, hey, you know, you need to strengthen your core and you have to get fit. But you can't just work one particular area. You can't just work your, your abs or, or your legs. You got to do the whole package. You really have to work on that whole message because how people connect to you varies on where and how they need to be connected to. I know that's right. a verbose, but that is where you need to be. So you have to almost be all things to all people, which is really hard to do and needs constant work. Well, and it's, but it's, but it is critical because it is a two-way street. It's a dynamic and fluid thing. And it's not one way. So you have to, I guess, tap into the people that you are trying to connect with in a way that we using your empathetic skills, be able to understand how to speak into their listening. Now, I will tell you one of the more interesting challenges that I see within one specific business area, one common thing, and that's in professional services. And I know you're an attorney, so we'll, we'll use this specifically because I've done workshops for professional services who have a lot of letters after their name, right? You know, they've, <laughs> they've, yeah. they have MBAs, CPAs, JDs, or JD PhDs, or all the different letters that you could come in. And people are pretty proud of that effort and work that they had to make them who they are. And a lot of that work, because you're developing so much time on yourself and you need those requirements and you needed to have those stats and those requirements to get where you are, can make you focus a lot on yourself as opposed to focusing on those you need to connect to. And what's a challenge is if you've been developing and trying to build your image, whether it's internal politics within an organization or try to show senior management that you can go out and grow, grow the business and all the things that you've done and that I've done, that you start using the words like I, me, and very focused on your own ego, what you don't realize is that you're actually pushing people away from connecting to you because you're very focused 
on oneself. Now, this right. is not everybody, but it does happen. And it happens often in professional services because it is difficult to take that eye off of ourselves and make it on the we. Focus on the collective we and who we need to connect with. Or in many cases, who we need to focus on with our targets and clients. Christina, can I share one of my favorite um, what I would call faux pas that I see on a lot of sales presentations, if that's okay. I would love to hear it. So this is my favorite, and I do this often. I actually show this slide to a whole series of uh, professionals when I, when I give a presentation or do a workshop. When we go in and it's the first time you're meeting someone, you've, you've worked pretty hard to establish a relationship to get to that meeting. Hey, let's just say it's a consulting firm, and that firm is looking to do their consulting services for a larger corporation. And, you know, you have your website and people have heard of the work you've done and maybe through word of mouth or, you know, people have said within the industry, yeah, you should really look at ABC Consulting and have them and check them out. Well, what ends up happening is, is that they go into this meeting and, you know, there's a lot of people that go into that meeting. There's different voices and different people. There might have been your point of contact at the, at the target prospect that you're trying to go that's there and he's got his team, or she's got his team around her. She has her team around her. <laughs> and they're all in the room. And now there's this capabilities presentation that someone spent a lot of time on. It could be a PowerPoint, it could be a keynote, or whatever you know, uh, form you want to use to show your capabilities. And most notably, what always gets me when you have that introductory meeting is how often people put the logos that do not matter on these particular documents. They'll put their own company logo up there and they'll put it big and centered. We are ABC consulting firm up there big with their logo. It's that first slide or it may even be the ABC consulting firm and this prospect that we're going after. And usually a couple of slides in, there's this infamous slide that shows here are all the clients that we've done business for in the past. Yeah, and that's always the, riddled with potential disasters, right? So, it's, it's, so what this is is we are going in and we're focused on ourselves. We're stuck in our own world. Using that example of that circle, if you would, Christina, in our own world, we're looking at all the things that matter to us. When I ask you this question in this prospect meeting, who's the only group that matters in this meeting? The prospect. Exactly. The only logo that should be there. In fact, you shouldn't actually do anything and show anything or tell them anything because going to that muscle of empathy, and we do this in the focusing on that E muscle in the safe. We talk about the fact that you need to understand everything there is about this prospect. You have to ask questions. You have to ask them what their needs are. You have to ask them what they want to hear. Now, if they come back and they volunteer and they say something along the lines of, hey, that's great. I, I, I'm really glad that you've asked us a ton of questions, but I'm very interested in seeing who else you've done work for. Okay. Now you've been given permission to show the logo slide with all the clients that you've done stuff with. Too often, we feel we need to tell the people that we're trying to, be, to make our clients and our prospect. We need to tell them a message about what we think they need to hear. When in reality, we need to ask them what they want to see that will mean something to them. That is one of my unbelievable faux pas. And I've sat in sales meetings, Tina, and literally seen it in an accounting firm, a consulting firm. I've seen it a couple of times in, in some law firm presentations trying to pitch their capabilities and their team. Uh, even if you're showing, here are all the people that work at our firm and why they're so great. 
yeah, okay, they are great and they're amazing, but we want to meet them and we want them to listen and learn to what we're about because we're the ones who want to connect with you. What you just shared with us is a really insightful and important point about selling. Um, and you know, one, one question I want to ask you is because there is a tension when you look at um, the practice of law and the legal profession and selling in that context. And I think the same is true in other professions, professional services, business, whatnot. Um, you know, there's a tension here between what you just shared with us, which I completely agree with, and also trying to meaningfully differentiate yourself. Yep. Because in the context of selling legal services, we all know that there's a flat demand and it's really about stealing market share at this point from other very capable providers. So how do you thread that needle between not, not being all focused on yourself, I, me, we, and instead making this about what your potential client is interested in hearing about you, but also, you know, when, when game time comes, meaningfully differentiating yourself in a way that puts you at an advantage. So the way to look at this from that, how do you weave in the two stories together? Because you do want people to know what it is that you do, right? You know, you could listen all you wanted and ask all the questions about what problems you have. And if you don't share any of it, it actually has an adverse effect, right? Because then you'd be saying, okay, great. I just gave them all this information and now they're not telling me anything. We, we right. want to couch the situation so that in, in, if all things were equal and we assume that everyone out there is working with similar types of amazing attorneys. They have great skill sets. All these firms have the same thing. If I went to the websites of four or five different law firms that focus in a certain area, I would have trouble telling the difference between one or the other. What we're looking for is the connection. What we are actually going, the decision that's going to be made by the person in the room is who did they connect with and do they feel comfortable with? Who do they feel that was the most authentic and understood that particular client's business? And who of the potential prospects that they can choose to work with is going to grow with them and understand what they need to provide them their specific needs that answer them. Everyone, and it doesn't matter if that was a law firm looking to, someone looking to hire a law firm, someone to look into a certain technology partner to make an implementation, someone needing consulting services and guidance for strategies or even, even advertising firms for how they can market and message them. All of that's exactly the same. We need to have that sense of connection with the partners that we have. And partners is the best word. We are looking for someone that is going to be our partner, not provide a service or not just be a vendor. So what we need to do is address their needs first and understand it. And there's a natural inclination when you as the, someone trying to win someone's business, you ask a lot of questions to understand how to cater to their needs and then specifically address and answer what they're looking for. When you do that, you've helped to fill that need. They're saying, okay, they're looking out for me. There's a reason for this, Christina. So this is something I learned when I went through coaching training, and this has to do with how we listen. So there are three levels of listening. The first level, listening level one, is all about me. It's a me-focused listening. And I like to say this, when somebody talks about something, let's say I said to you, I'll do, I'll do it this way, Christine, we'll have fun with this. Okay. Christine, how was your commute uh, to work this week, you know, when you went to uh, the office? Was, was it 
you know, tell me what, what your commute is when you get from your, your apartment and you get to wherever you live or your house. You want me to actually answer that? <laughs> I totally do. I want you to answer. Um, it was actually pretty uneventful. I have a pretty easy commute. It's just, you know, what do you, do? What do you I, I, well, I, um, I get dropped off at the train um, okay. in the you morning. Know, I take the train too. I don't know if you know this. I take the train. I have to stand on a cold platform. I'm there. It's freezing. It's windy. The train goes in. Sometimes it's late. Sometimes it's not. I sometimes don't get a seat. Oh my God. It's so frustrating. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, I hear. What, I hear what did I ask you? The <laughs> <laughs> listening level one in this highlighted example, Christina, is I asked, you a question. I asked you a question and the first thing I did was spin it and make it about me. I heard you say train and the first thing I thought of was, oh, I take the train too. <laughs> we do this 98% of the time. 98% of the time we hear someone talking, we ask a question or someone speaks, we relate it back to ourselves. Okay, now, if I ask the question a little differently, so Christina, you take the train to work, do you not? I do. Um, what train do you take? What time do you take that train? Uh, 6.15 in the morning. 6.15 in the morning. Do you like taking a train that early? Um, it's not really about what I like. It's about what I need to do to get everything done for my clients. So yes. So, so when you get on the train, do you get a seat? Yes, I do. Because not many people are insane enough to get up at that time in the morning. So. Uh, how many people are on the train that you're, that you're on when you're on, on it typically? say it's probably a few hundred people, um, but not, but the cars are maybe 70% full. Oh, would you, would you, would you rather, do you like it that way or, or do you go in for that, that early morning meeting or is it more along the lines of you just know that you need to get in for your clients? I like how productive I can be that early in the morning before the phone starts ringing. Do you actually do work on the train? I do not. Okay. Now, do you sleep on the train? I meditate on the train, actually. Oh, I, I, that's awesome. And, and uh, what type of meditation do you do? Uh, I do a form of transcendental meditation. Okay, now I'll stop this right here at this particular point. If you noticed that all I did was make this about you, right? We yes. flipped the interview. Things. I felt very special, Lou. Yes, you should. You not only felt special because I didn't make this about myself. I didn't make it about how I interview I didn't, or, or my commute or what I do on the train or, oh, I love that type of, of uh meditation that you do, or I do it too. All of those things would be the natural thing we would do if we were in listening level one. What I was doing is listening level two. And that's where connection begins. And how often do you think people actually do that? We're also tempted when you make a business development pitch, when you ask a question to a law firm and they could be like, we have some real tax issues this year. And your first thought is, oh, we do great work in tax issues. And we actually have a specialist that does it. And I want to tell you everything about it. Well, let's drill down a little further and ask some more questions. Tell us the issues that you have. We have to be in listening level two, not in, about ourselves. Here's the hard part. We only do this 1.8% of the time. 1.8% of the time is when we're actually focused in listening. It's called focused listening on the person we're talking to. And you know what's great about focused listening, Christina? You had mentioned that you felt really good when we were having this conversation, it felt good that I was focused on you. Well, that, of course you did, because 98% of the time, you like to make things about yourself, like everybody else does. <laughs> and if and anyone- like other people make it about me too. Right, and by the way, if any of your listeners questioned whether or not they actually think that 98% of the time they make it about themselves, I've proved my point. That they're spinning it onto themselves. Hmm, I don't do it that way. Well, yes, you just did. Yeah, <laughs> you just proved your point. <laughs> So, but that's what it is. It's about how you connect and how you need to listen. And great connectors and great business development 
professionals are the ones that make it about their client. We will have an opportunity in a window to address ourselves and talk about ourselves, but the first thing we need to do is to be able to really listen and embody that power of empathy to begin our connection. Thank you for allowing me to do that little exercise and take up over air time. So Lou, that was a fantastic exercise and I was happy to be a participant in it because I think you really illustrated your point very effectively that we need to make it more about other people and not about ourselves, especially when we're asking them questions about themselves. Um, and you've really provided us with some great information in this first of two installments on business development. Do you have any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off? I, I think it's important that to, to understand each one of those muscles, there's lots of ways we can, we can go through it. But the, the one that it has to start with is that, that empathy muscle about listening. And, and I like to always say when it comes to, um, to listening and embracing that power of empathy, that's your starting point. That's how you really want to understand, get yourself into the right listening mode and be coach-like. If you're going to be understanding whether it's the, the target you're going after or the, the, the internal, even think about how that can be translated to having a meeting about an annual review or anything that you do within your company. You have to have that understanding of who you want to connect with. Connection starts with first recognizing that the most important target of who you want to connect with is your target. So get into them and get out of you would be my, my words of advice on that empathy muscle. Great words of wisdom. So where can our listeners find you? Uh, everywhere in social media, you can find me at, at @thriveloud. I also have another podcast show, which uh, Christine will be a guest on very soon. And I'm and, very excited. Yeah, it will be pretty cool. And or depending on when this airs, it might come before or after, but we'll we'll make sure that social media is out there. And that's uh, thriveloud.com, which also goes to all of the things that my Thrive business has. And uh, if you're looking to have me come speak, do a workshop, or do anything, you could also go to lewdiamond.net, and that's all one word, and that's the easiest way to find me. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to the next episode where we're going to continue our conversation. So am I. Very much so. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you've enjoyed my preliminary discussion with Lou, and we're going to get more into it in the next episode about business development. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.